Hello, and welcome back into the Schlafly-verse, a podcast exploring the bizarre political and cultural legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. I'm Will, and as ever, I'm joined by my fellow schlafly not Torin. Hello, thank you for having me, and I do believe this episode will be particularly bizarre, so I'm very excited. So I got home from um, uni, and we was like, oh, just give me a hug, and I was like, oh, what's up? Like, thinking something really bad had happened, and he was like... Then just started talking about the Schlafly verse, basically. <laughs> and like the scary stuff. And I was like, well, that doesn't justify that. <laughs> I thought it was something worse. <laughs> well, you can say at the end, you can say whether or not I needed a hug after discovering all this stuff. So I was, so basically this morning, uh, before work, I was looking into John Singlarb, who is the general who used to be the chairman of America's Future, which we talked about in our last episode, of which General Michael Flynn is now the new chairman. I uh, just looking into him, seeing what more I could find about John Singlar, because he said about him being quite an important figure in the US military, like founded the CIA. I thought, sounds quite interesting. See what else he's been up to. And while doing a bit of Google, I came across a series of blog posts by a, a, a guy called Dave Troy. And it's an absolutely fascinating six-part blog um, article. I'm, I'm linking it in the description for anyone who wants to read it as well. But um, this episode is basically going to be summarising what's in there and how it relates to the Schlafly-verse and what we've been talking about and really put it in a quite a significant context. Could I just ask quickly, who's Dave Troy? Maybe just give him a bit of an introduction rather yeah. than like just being this random guy who's yeah, written yeah. a blog. So so Dave Troy is a journalist. I'm going to find his thing on his website and give you a summary of who he is. Yeah. Just I think because at the moment yeah, yeah. it could be like, oh, it's some random wacko who's just written a blog kind of thing. Yeah. So, so Dave Troy is a disinformation researcher thinker, writer, entrepreneur, and he's on TED Talks. Lots of interesting stuff. He did some early thing with Twitter API, lots of data handling stuff, which I don't quite okay. understand. Cool. Um, yeah, he's on sounds TED Talks about stuff, and this is a bit of a passion by the sounds of it. Much like the Schlafly-verse for you. Yes. Awesome. So the six articles are basically um, Troy trying to explain how January 6th came about, which is also a major interest of mine, is the backstory of January 6th and the efforts of people like Ali Alexander. Because mm. when I think January 6th, I guess I think very short term, but I think about the Stop Steal, the aggressive rhetoric that we saw on Infowars mm. with Alex Jones, and I guess those were short term causes, but well, I'm excited quite... to see what else has been bubbling away perhaps further back. <laughs> so, so yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm generally going to be summarising what's in Dave Troy's blog Again, do read it because there's, there's stuff in there I'm not going to talk about, but it's absolutely fascinating. So the main group we're going to be talking about is a group called the Council for National Policy, or CNP. We'll talk about who exactly were the three main people who set it up, but it was mainly the product of two other groups, the John Birch Society and the World Anti-Communist League. Um, I don't know if... I can't imagine many listeners will be familiar with the John Birch Society. I can say, who is John Birch? So John Birch was a... A US intelligence officer who was killed in China during the Chinese Civil War in the 40s. He's considered the first American to be killed by communists. His name is then taken to the John Birch Society was set up by a guy called Robert W. Welch. And he adopted John Birch's name to signify that the, the society was set up to fight communism, basically, and avenge John Birch. Although it's questioned actually how far John Birch would have agreed with his name being used for such a cause. Mm. Um, John Birch Society was basically this, it's a group of absolute anti-communist uh, people who like, they thought Eisenhower was a communist. They were proper, 
quite paranoid about very paranoid about communism. They're all secretive. Like it's not very. Some people we do know who are members of it, but generally it's been very secretive. And they had like cells and like propaganda, and it was, they basically co-opted communist techniques to sort of fight against communism. It's it's. I recommend listening to the Behind the Bars episode. So Behind the Bars is a podcast I listen to, um, but the John Birch Society episode are done. I highly recommend. Um, Phyllis Schlafly is firmly believed to be a member of the John Birch Society, which is important to keep in mind. As I said before, about and hence that. it is part of the Schlafly verse. Um, I didn't realise quite how key the phrase Schlafly verse probably is. Go find out. Phyllis Schlafly is very influential in all this. She's one of the founding members of the CNP. So the Phyllis's book, A Choice Not an Echo, which I've got, which is the her like seminal moment. Yes. Which, in like building her political career. Yes, which basically argued for the Republican Party to pick Barry Goldwater mm. as their candidate in the 1964 election. It's, it's, a, it's a very good title. Mm. It, it, it definitely catches you, I think. It's generally understood that it's such a, it was such a good bestseller because the John Birch Society bought loads of her cop- copies of her book and then distributed it themselves. So the whole... <laughs> so, that's funny. Yeah. so the reason she's famous and the reason her book was so important and Barry Goldwater became the nominee is because the John Birch Society collaborated with her to make that happen. So they are quite a scary bunch. Well, it's all about who you know. Exactly. It's connections, connections, connections. Mm. CMP and all these people we're going to talk about. So they generally subscribe to a very strong belief in libertarianism and the belief that the state should not have influence or authority over individual rights and individual freedoms. It's very pro-business anti-state oversight you see the whole anti-socialism and welfare programs and taxes and it's very critical of all that stuff which is the key thing here is that that's their ideology yeah so i mentioned to you already about jacob reese mogstad which is obviously a very strange way to take this podcast <laughs> but he wrote a book in but that's what i love about the slappy verse it's quite wacky and it throws you some uh, quite a few curveballs so jacob reese dad william reese wrote a book in 1996 with a guy called James Dale Davison called The Sovereign Individual, which is a manifesto which very much outlines this thinking. They predict the decline and fall of the nation-state. So borders don't matter, basically. The idea that borders don't really matter anymore. They also further the idea that fiat currency, so how, how currencies work at the moment, are going to be replaced by digital cash, which is now understood probably to be more referring to cryptocurrencies. So the CMP also are very strong advocates of cryptocurrencies in terms of replacing that on to the dollar, which is obviously a fiat, and regulated by the government. So the government obviously, to some extent, regulate the dollar as a fiat currency. So it's, again, moving away from government oversight of business concerns such as money and currency. I've already knew about this book by Reese Mogg's dad because people like Asa Campbell talked about it fairly recently because it's seen as being the thinking behind a lot of people who supported Brexit, this idea of breaking up the EU and returning to sort of nation-states and then crippling the, the, the state governments so that companies and individuals can do what they like, basically, is, the, is this idea behind... That's why Jacob Rees-Mogg is, is involved, because this idea that he's probably... He's furthering his dad's interests in... Like, obviously, yeah. he made a lot of money out of Brexit because his company's got benefits and stuff, even if trade collapsed to some extent and all the rest of it. So back to old Singlab. We'll get there eventually. Eventually we'll, get, we'll explain who he is. <laughs> so he said before, he's a military guy, he's a general. In 1975 with a congressman called Larry MacDonald, who at the time was the president of the John Birch Society, Singlam's a member of the John Birch Society as well, um, set up a group called Western Goals, which was an organisation which took over from the CIA the duty or the role 
of spying on Americans considered to be under the influence of communism. So in the 70s, um, I think it's Carter basically banned the CIA from spying on American citizens who they considered to be communists, a bit sort of McCarthyite. So the CIA was like, no, you're not allowed now to spy on US citizens. So Singlab and this guy who's the president of John Birch says, well, we'll just set up an, an own, our own organisation and they'll just carry it out because it's not a part of the state, <laughs> which is horrifying. Um, and Troy, who obviously wrote this, wrote this blog, um, compares them to the Stasi, which is like the infamous um, East German police force, who were obviously horrific in communist Germany on keeping tabs on people and all sorts of nasty stuff like that. So you see this, again, this ideology of state shouldn't have oversight and also very deep fear of communism as well. So the Council of National Policy was set up in 1981 by... Singlab, MacDonald, who I just mentioned, the president of the John Birch Society, and Phyllis Schlafly, to influence the Reagan government and further these ideas. You might be familiar with the Iran-Contra scandal, I think you said before. Yeah. So that was all dodgy um, stuff going on in Latin America regarding a group called the Contras, who were an anti-communist fighting force. And at one point, the US Congress banned Reagan administration from funding the Contras. And one of the ways... The Reagan government got around this was by the Western Gulls, which I said before is this company set up to spy on people, stepped in and started funding the Contras on behalf of the government. So you've got this alternative CIA type yeah. freak which organization. Which is quite scary because you can, you can get your agenda done through non-state avenues essentially. Yeah. So you know, it doesn't matter if Congress, I guess, aren't going to vote this through because they'll just go do it for yeah, you. Yeah, Western Gulls steps in this organisation set up by Singlab. Yeah, I can see where perhaps that comparison to the Stasi comes in where it's kind of like, you know, your, your mate running this horrific plea force and they just go do all your dirty work for you by the sounds of it. Mm. It doesn't matter if Congress or... Yeah, you have full power over that. Yeah, if the government gets restricted on its authority, private organisations step in to take up the baton and continue that work, which is just horrifying. There's also a lot of links with this, this whole ideology, a lot of links back to the New Deal era and FDR. Um, there was a thing called the business plot where a bunch of um, businessmen and military people basically hatched a plot to take over the government, basically do a coup, working with um, American fascists, um, partly because of the New Deal, obviously the, those new um, government programmes, which obviously they didn't like because they were obviously government expansion and over, great oversight over people's lives and also the fact that FDR was moving off the gold currency there's a big thing about the gold currency they really like um, tangible sources of wealth because obviously they can then stockpile it rather than fiat currencies and so on so this um, so the CNP so set out by these three people so why is that making you scared so the CNP since being set up in 1981 is now basically anyone you, you think of or anyone we've talked about on this podcast who's related to Trump is a member of the CMP, pretty much. Including Trump? Not including Trump. Okay. From as far as I can tell, not Trump and his family, but Roger Stone, um, Ali Alexander, Bannon. Steve Bannon, definitely. All the, the big scary people, Michael Flynn, all the scary people. Ed Martin? Ed Martin, yeah. All the, all the big people who we've talked about in this sort of fringe community are all part of the CMP. Because we had that when um, a couple of episodes back when you <coughs> Tried talked that. about that big network. And basically, all these people come together, are you saying, in this CMP? Yeah, the CMP okay. is the overarching network of which they all belong. I, I don't know about Alex Jones. Alex Jones, interestingly enough, he basically became a conspiracy theorist because he was brought up on John Birch literature. 
grew up reading all this crazy conspiracy stuff about the communists and stuff. That's basically what made him who he is. He's, I feel sorry for John Birch, you know. Like, he might just be, like, a nice guy. I think he was. I think he was, was like, drafted a, out, happened to die, and yeah. now his name's just been used for all this. Yeah. Um, the John Birch Society, from what I understand, I think it's still going, but the CMP is very much this new... What well, do they do, then, the CMP? Apart from housing all these important, powerful, scary people. Yeah, just, it's a, so I've got a... Do, do they do any work, as it were? So the CMP, according to um, Troy's blog, quote, network powerful individuals, place them for long-term success, and enact specific policies with clear outcomes, end quote. That is terrifying. Exactly. <laughs> um, it, it, what you're basically saying is, is that it makes me think, um, I was saying this to you earlier, about the James Bond film Spectre. Yeah where he uh, follows them to that place in Rome. And it's like all these evil masterminds met up discussing their plans for like how they're going to dominate the world and change like trade deals and stuff. And it, yeah, that, it, it just makes me think of a James Bond film, yeah. really. <laughs> no, it is. It's, it's this network of, of influential people on the conservative right who are against big government and government oversight and want a more libertarian system. Because it benefits their financial interests or it, it benefits careers. them. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, they, they're they, that's, they are that sort of um, right winger. So what also is quite terrifying is that quite recently the this organisation have come to adopt um, what's called fourth generation warfare tactics, which is basically efforts to disrupt the quote observe, orient, decide, and act loop for individuals. So when you so when you're in a war zone. This OODA loop, so what I said, the observe, orient, decide and act is basically what you do in a situation. You you observe what's going on, you orient yourself within the situation. Say like a bomb goes off and you like get blown off your feet, you go, oh, where am I? Okay, I'm, I know where I am now. You then decide what you want to do and then you act on your decision. And basically this fourth generation warfare tactics is basically to disrupt that. So you just throw stuff in there so you constantly don't know where you are, you don't know what you should do and paralysing your opponent by causing problems and i'm now starting to see the links between the 6th of january and perhaps this tactic yes so you can understand that the whole stop the steal thing and this spreading the lie of the election being stolen and just general other stuff very much comes under this idea of fourth generation warfare to create or create alternative realities and like uh, on again can argue alternative reality in which obviously all the world's powerful people are part of this paedophile network like you're creating these dream worlds and alternative universes and ways of understanding the world and you just throw them at people and get people believing them and you just so basically then is the idea that the democrats are then disorientated yeah confused distracted been... essentially yes for then this big evil group to sweep in take control theoretically they, they get on with what they need to do yeah while everyone's too busy having to fight lies and correct the record to prevent people falling into these different dream worlds and Trying to trying yeah, to yeah, reorient themselves. Got it. Yeah, very interesting. So Michael Flynn has a background in intelligence and stuff, and he was involved in Iraq and Afghanistan, and was put in charge by Obama of this intelligence um, group as well. He freaks me out because I know he's very familiar with these sort of stuff, and he very clearly, resourceful by the sounds. He's very yeah, he's resourceful and well connected and well versed in these sort of um, narratives. Yeah, these on tactics and warfare tactics to disorientate enemies and achieve your own goals while keeping them tied up in their own chaos. <laughs> Which is why it terrifies me to think that I think he's going to 
run to be the next president. For the Republican Party. For the Republican, well, you'll be, be the Republican candidate for it. Um, you heard that here first, folks. Well, yeah. Staffly Verse podcast has called it. I think he's, yeah. Um, so one in five people so far arrested for the January 6th have military connections as well. There's a lot of, lots of people have got military connections, which is How really many people have been arrested? Um, I couldn't tell you. I think this is also quite old. That was also an old figure as well. I imagine that's probably changed since then, but interesting nonetheless. So it's also very interesting because we've not talked now much about Ed Martin other than the fact he's obviously a member of CMP. So I knew in 2019... Finish Laffey's Eagles held a conference, they have an annual conference called Eagle Council. And I know at this event in 2019, because it's on their website, lots of very interesting people turned up to it. And Troy basically outlines that this is like the beginnings of, basically the networking event for these sort of CNP people to get together. And there's very clearly... Can Just to jump back, when was CNP created? Or when did... 1981. So when you say... This is the beginning of, of the Jan six of like almost beginning. So, so wait, the beginning of what? I guess I don't. I don't quite work. I can't quite work it out this bit. So, the way the way that Troy talks about Jan six because all this stuff makes sense. Okay, you've got the CMP, you got um, Western, whatever it was. Yeah, you got these people who are working to restrict powers of government and so on. But it gets very murky from twenty from twenty twenty onwards because it's clear that the, the the pandemic basically is a big thing because by the sounds of it, CMP were obviously banking on Trump having another term because the economy was doing well yada 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 and once the economy obviously went to shit because of the pandemic they were then like oh my god what the hell do we do um, so therefore they they sort of promoted a lot of narratives questioning of the COVID stuff to try and create, again, more chaos and hopefully peel people away from... And also involved in the Stop the Steal. And they also then, after the election was lost, then went full... So that was their attack to try and keep Trump in power. They're trying to keep... Yeah, so they they did... They they clearly were involved in misinformation during... leading up to the 2020 election. And once it was clear that Trump lost it, they basically went... Stop the Steal then became their big thing of spreading this lie that... Creating another parallel universe. Creating a big parallel universe to collect as many people into... to work as digital soldiers for... Um, Jan 6th Troy so, what, so was that their aim are you saying so Troy very much frames it that having the storming of the capital was always part of the game which is interesting because I didn't actually think that was I always I was always under pressure from what I saw with Ed and stuff that it got out of hand because that's what we were saying before yeah but it seems that that was, that was the plan all along because of Michael Flynn's and his other military friends their involvement in stalk, in sort of organising people like the Proud Boys that's very damning it's very damning these people were planning a Jan okay. the 6th um, so well, I don't think they were probably expecting it to be a coup, but I think, like you said, to cause that chaos and confusion, I mean... No, I think they, they generally probably were hoping they could kill people. I get mm. the impression that the idea of the Jans, the Storm of Capital, because obviously Storm of Capital wasn't going to stop the votes, but they might kill people and that'd be enough, mm. more chaos. That's what Troy is insinuating, is that that was the idea with Jan Sick. But as, so the Proud Boys very much... So Vice, I think it was Vice News, did a thing where they followed the Proud Boys leading the charge, basically. And the Proud Boys... I've got strong links with Roger Stone, who obviously set up Stop the Steel, so scary. Yeah, so also, interestingly, Michael Finn's brother, who was still part of the, was involved in the government, he is understood to have prevented the National Guard from intervening on the 6th. Really? Yeah. So he was... Well, where's that from? That's, that's off this, 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 this blog. blog, saying that he was, in the, he was 
stall the discussion, requesting the National Guard to step in to deal with the protesters? So, I guess I've got a few questions about the blog. Yeah. Because it all sounds very mind-blowing, right? Yeah, yes. Wow. Which I guess is why I also in- asked you for an introduction of Troy. Because mm. it's like, well, is this information reliable from what you can see? From what I can tell, he's... As again, I'm, I'm also very aware that this seems very, as you said, almost oh, James It's, it's fascinating and it's very, like, yeah. wow. But it's like, mm. how much substance is there yeah. to it? I know that's what I'm wondering. I knew Ed was a member of CMP already yeah. because Right Wing Watch reported on that. Um, Troy himself, this is not all written by Troy. There's three other collaborators at least who were involved in writing this up and providing him and, and basically constructing these articles. Other than that, it's, I mean, obviously I've done my own research by proving there's a network of these individuals. So I know they're all connected and they work together. And as I said to you, Roger Stone appeared on the Pro-America report to, on today's episode, in which he actually said, And then we need to nominate a candidate in 2024 who supports the America First agenda. If President Trump wants to run, he can count on me. He's my first choice. But if he does not run, if he decides not to, then we need a candidate to carry that banner forward. I want to draft General Mike Flynn for that job. He's not a politician. He's not running for office that I know of. But perhaps, just perhaps, we could convince him to do his duty because I think he's one of the few guys who could save this country. He said that. He said that. There you go. Which I think is enough (laughs) for me to be terrified that Michael Flynn is going to be... And just briefly, I think, for me and just people listening... Why, I know we've covered him a lot, but why does Michael Flynn becoming president, if he were to win, if he were to run, hmm. why is that terrifying? I mean, it's pretty clear, but just yeah, a, quick, me, a quick little way. Because he's clearly someone who, who ha- he's a bit of a spook. As I say, he's got this military background. He's clearly got quite a strong agenda regarding, he's not afraid to, do, to, to engage in dark tactics. Hmm. Like he's clearly well connected with military... So a big running theme as well is that a lot of these people object to civilian authority over the CIA, which we touched on already about Congress and presidents restricting the, the activities of the CIA. They very much think that like, the military should be the military and it should be run by themselves. There shouldn't be any civilian authority over it. Not so, even presidential? No, it should be just military people running military stuff, which is always, always a bad thing because yeah. it always goes out of control in terms of very dark anti-human rights. Well, you're pieces. giving someone a lot of power... <laughs> yeah. which isn't an elected person and when it's people like John Singlar you've got to be concerned <laughs> yeah. they're running Stasi like oh, um, almost Stasi operations operations yeah. and stuff commander in chief being Mike Flynn that sort of stuff becomes much more possible yes and from what I can gather to to quote you from earlier it's, it'd be like having Donald Trump in power but actually someone clever and could yield the power of the Overwatch yes. in a very dangerous scary yeah. way knows what they're doing and will do what they need to do. Because I think it's clear from this that like, there's no talk of Trump being involved in this. Like Trump is just a useful stooge. Like he got them, he got them the White House and they were then able to infect his presidency. I listened to a podcast by Michael Cohen, who is Trump's lawyer, and he has said all the time that Trump didn't expect to win and when he did win, and the only reason the only time he he came round to think he could win was literally when he had won on the night of the election in twenty sixteen and they had no one to fill any of the different offices. And literally, they are, they are, they are the election. Trump is now going to be president, and they don't know who the hell they're going to appoint to offices. And it's clear that people like Flynn and these CMP people 
got in when they could. Roger Stone had already helped, was helpful in the campaign. I, I, I'm gathering that lots of these CMP people... So they kind of got their foot in the door, infiltrated... Trump's campaign. Which is why you see Flynn, Steve Bannon, I know they both got yeah. fired or... Got, they both got fired, let go by Trump for their dodgy activities. But it's clear that they, they basically came around to realising what a great opportunity Trump was to just carry out stuff. In the, and a lot, all the three people who got pointed to the Supreme Court are also were backed by these sort of people as well. They're all they've been approved and groomed for these sort of <laughs> positions. So so a Michael Flynn presidency, if, if God forbid it would happen, would be a full-blown CMP job. Yeah. Where you've got these people doing what they can to curl government oversight on intelligence operations and just generally favouring business. Yeah. <laughs> Which can only be bad in a world with climate change, pandemics, and just... Uh, yeah. It's interesting you mentioned... General chaos. Interesting you mentioned climate change because there's an interesting point that... Oh, do we get to talk about climate some change? Of the, there is a... <laughs> um, Troy mentions that there is a general support for climate change because it, it would make gas and oil in Russia easier to extract because the Siberian ice would melt away. Which is very interesting. Oh, theory. so when you say for climate change, not for it as an issue. No. But as in they like want it to happen. They want it to happen because it means they can extract natural... They, because a lot of... Like, that seems odd to me that they'd want... Because I mean, although they're friendly with the Russians, um, ultimately that's the Russians extracting it and setting a price. Probably Alaska as well, I imagine. It's, I couldn't quite... that. That wasn't flushed out enough for me to really make sense of it. That is just stupidity, though. That's it's just business interest. It's personal. No, interest. it's business interest. But I mean, I'm getting a bit, a bit into climate. Well, no, but, I, here. but you know, like all those places melting so you can extract oil. I mean, by that point, the world is just yeah. So, but who cares? Because they've got they've got the money and they had a lovely lifestyle. Well, I think. Yes, I think that it's a very short-sighted view because obviously you're not thinking of the cost of all the environmental damage, etc., etc. But let's not get into whole climate change no. debate. But it's <laughs> but yes, I see what you're saying. I think for these people, and um, accumulation of wealth is is top priority. Yeah, and if you can Just get self-interest, and you can get the government off your back in doing that, woohoo! Got to bite my tongue. Bite <laughs> my tongue. I won't say any more about climate change. <laughs> What's also really funny, which I, th- I think very funny considering your comments, is that there's definitely some weird thing going on with the Catholic Church as well, which is hinted at in these blog posts. Well, I've joked before. You've joked about the Pope before. But it seems like these people are, are united against the Pope. They're actually going out, like Steve Bannon and Michael Flynn have been... Um... Didn't you say Michael Flynn's Catholic? Well, yeah, they're all Catholic. Um, I did... Roger Stone's also Catholic, didn't know that. He went to supposedly Mass with Ed Martin at some point. Like they're all ca- a lot of these people But are then Catholics. they're against the Pope. But they don't like the Pope because he's Jesuit. They don't like Jesuits. Jesuits uh, are more left-wing. These are a lot of... It's like the right-wing Catholics basically <laughs> working together with businesses to go after... The Jesuits, supposedly, by the sounds of it, are, are in there. Pope Francis is supposedly the first Jesuit pope. Uh, which is very interesting, but they, they don't like the Jesuits. So, Bannon... How is, do you know how the Pope's elected? There's, like a group of, there's a group of like top cardinals who meet in Rome and they, they vote on it. There's like a, like a great okay. chimney to be lit. I guess, can you infiltrate that group and... Influence them if you can influence money, the cardinals or whatever, then yeah, I imagine yeah. so. But it's just, I find that really funny that's the whole thing about the Pope, considering you joking about the Pope in the previous podcast. <laughs> and of course, the Pope's somehow involved in all this. Poor Pope, <laughs> I feel sorry because the Catholic Church it's the oldest organization involved in intelligence and banking. 
Mm. That's also why it's quite important to these people because of its global outreach and also its history and good strong connections with yeah, yeah. intelligence operations and banking. So I don't know if there's another sucker punch coming, but to summarise what your fear and why you <laughs> needed a hug was basically the realisation that an organisation existed where all these people are working were, together are working together for this greater goal of greed, business interest, etc. Et taking over and taking over America basically yeah. from the inside and Ed Martin is very clearly an enabler because of these meetings with the Fish after Eagles his connections with Stone, his eff- efforts involvement in Stop the Steel, um, being quite a senior figure, working alongside Ali Alexander. Uh, the fact Roger Stone came on his, came on his radio so show he's, today, a, he's just a bit of a networker. I mean, most of his power seems to come from the fact he's Phyllis Schlafly's um, successor. Because Phyllis Schlafly, clearly by looks of it, was very involved in these anti-communist movements. Mm. And he basically stepped in to fill her, her spot and has inherited all those stuff from her. Because I think initially, if you go back to yeah. episode one, when we spoke of how Phyllis Schlafly, it was... Um, you know, she seemed like she'd done some stuff, but she didn't seem that big. As I guess from this conversation, it's like, oh, okay, maybe she had her, her fingers in a few more pies and a bit more power and influence, perhaps, than yeah. I thought more before than ju- this episode. Yeah, it's more than just stopping the ERA. It's, it's, I've, always, I've always mentioned... It's where her, it started. I've always mentioned her anti-communist links because I think they're clearly more important yeah. to her. Yeah. And I think this demonstrates actually that was so important to her. <laughs> Forget the culture wars because again, this is a lot. Of, there's a lot of talk about the culture wars being this effort to obviously disable and because Ed keeps going on about transgender rights. And I said to my friend last night, I think there's going to be a massive bust up in the near future about um, transgender rights, and I think these people will be very much weaponizing that for their own aim. So that's mm. never thing I want to predict. So how could yeah go on? Let's, let's expand that prediction a bit more. So I think I think they'll they'll because Ed's very much of the sort of you can't let boys in quotation marks take part in female sports and that's a big big angle he's taking it's no it's not it's not so much the restrooms which were a big thing about bathrooms having having um i guess more like how would they use that issue to promote their own aims because i think to create like another parallel universe and like distraction i think a distraction and also because i think i think they're betting that the majority of people are actually slightly transphobic i reckon So, so to use that as an example so, so basically, for them to promote, even if they didn't necessarily believe it, to be like, we're going to be really anti this and get all our um, digital soldiers, was it? Yeah. Basically spouting this stuff that's anti-transgender rights to create this big debate, which is a bit of a, um, a shield or a fog for them to continue getting on with their business in the background. I think it's more... I think Potentially. More, I think more simply, it would just be tar the Democratic Party as being pro, pro-trans rights and therefore out of touch with the wider and general community and have people like Flynn saying, no, we don't want transgender people, and have that. A bit like uh, you can see with Putin in Russia and how he's weaponized homophobia. I think I can see that sort of thing. How has he done that? He's, he's gone after the homosexuals and all sorts of stuff. Sort of saying Because he thinks that's a popular view in Russia that th- will get him... Popularity. I think popular. if recognize the culture wars... You need to find the ones you are majority... Like with Churchill, for example, in this country. I think most people like Churchill. If you start painting, say, Labour as being critical of Churchill and anti-British, then the majority of people will necessarily be with you because they are pro-British as such. If you can find the right dividing lines where majority it's people... the right language and like the right selling point. Yeah, if you start carving 
population along these fault lines. So that you see Boris Johnson do it very well, actually. I think when Keir Starmer calls him out, he's like, "Oh no, this government you know, does has been Labour would rather we did this, but actually, you know, we've rolled out the vaccine, bring and he just uses language like, "Yeah, we're great. Labour are trying to like stop us doing all this great thing." So, well, no, that's not what he was saying. No, <laughs> you so, just you just completely flipped it, ignored what he said to make yourself sound good. Well, that's the other thing is that they put there's a whole thing about putting words in your opponent's mouth. It's a big thing they've been like Ed does it all the time, and we've seen it with like David Horowitz. He says, "Oh, they're all gangsters. They're all horrible people." If you start painting, if you tell your audience, your people that the other side are doing all up to no good and are saying, oh yeah, we need, we want trans people everywhere or, and they're all paedophiles. If you start throwing just absolute baseless accusations at your enemy and you start tarring them, people, some people will believe that and eventually you'll find something where you, you build a majority for yourself because you, you, you get people to move away from the alternative or not to vote for the alternative. The strong and is force. this basically how... I think the next election could play out, yes. <laughs> Elections are terrifying now. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, we don't see it as much with the... Well, I didn't feel like we saw it as much with the uh, most recent general election in the UK. Mm. But I remember 2016, that was terrifying. Obviously, you had the whole Cambridge Analytica stuff coming out about that. There's a lot of links with CMP, with, CMP, with um, Cambridge Analytica. Shock. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, 2020 didn't seem as bad, but I think perhaps um, it was a bit more hidden. A well, bit more at, subtle, but at, equally powerful and dangerous. Look at QAnon. Look at how many people seem in America seem to believe in QAnon. I know it's not, I don't think anyone's got a good, good grasp on it, but I think it's it's a shocking amount of people who, who actually are subscribed to some form of QAnon conspiracy theory, or or at least have are believing some sort of conspiracy theory that has been promoted through QAnon. Like, even if you don't think, you even know it's QAnon, there's all sorts of conspiracy I think it all just comes down to people, people just want to hear like what they think. And it's like, oh yeah, I thought this, great, there's someone with a shirt and tie who does a podcast or, do you know what I mean, has some credibility. And I think that just gains traction and just promotes those views and they become more extreme and that's dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I feel like I should give you another hug. I was going to say, do you, think, do you think I deserved a hug this morning when I came across all this horror? Absolutely. <laughs> Good, that's what You can have a hug whenever you need one. <laughs> well... I'll certainly need a hug when Michael Flynn announces his candidacy for the Republican Party. I expect he will. I mean, if if, if Roger Stone, who you don't, I say you're not that familiar with Roger Stone, but I've, he he's a prince of evil, prince of darkness, and all sorts of dodgy tactics. And if he's coming on, on Ed Martin's podcast and saying, "I'm going to back Flynn if Trump doesn't run, and Trump won't run," and he's desperate, he obviously doesn't want Trump to run because he doesn't have no one has control over Trump. But I think. These people will make sure that Trump doesn't get in the way mm. of their of their plan. And then, as an exciting thing to look forward to, I've heard whisperings of Troy maybe coming onto the podcast. Well, I've emailed I've emailed Troy saying potentially he would be up for coming on just to talk about it in more detail because he obviously knows a lot more about this than I do. Yeah, and, and, and fascinating. I want his blog doesn't really talk too much about Ed Martin, and I want to know what he knows about Ed Martin because because mm. I, I think there's a lot more clearly which. I, I'm not aware of regarding Ed Martin. Yeah. And I think he's clearly a much more sinister figure than I ever could have imagined. I'm excited. Troy, if you're listening, get on and into the Schlafly-verse. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. You can check us... So we've got the website, schlafly-verse.wordpress.com. I've, I've started putting some stuff on there. And Good also, luck spelling that. 
And we've also, we're on Twitter and Instagram, at Schlafflyverse, spelt as it is in the title of this episode. Um, thank you all for listening and stay tuned for more developments to do with CNP, Ed Martin and Michael Flynn. This podcast was researched and presented by me, William Lear. And me, Torren Whitehead. Music was done by Ted Wallacher. And the graphic was designed by Alice Eves. <laughs>